a Dadsnet original podcast. Welcome to this Merlin Entertainment podcast. My name's Al, I'm the founder of Dadsnet, and Merlin has asked us to make this special series to celebrate International Men's Day. I'm going to be speaking to men who work for Merlin across the globe and discussing with them their journeys, their influences, and just what makes these great men tick. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to Cameron Imbrogno. Cameron is the marketing coordinator for Merlin's Magic Wand, based out in Florida. He's been a professional dancer for many years until he joined Merlin's Magic Wand. Cameron, thank you very much for giving up some time to be with me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate so, it. So uh, we've established that you are in very sunny and warm Florida and we are in very dingy, dark London. But <laughs> nonetheless, um, tell me, like, just to kind of kick us off, I want to know, presumably you've been to a fair few of the Merlin attractions Yes, one with the company. So my question, yes. just to get us going, is what? Which one is your favourite? If you could go to one tomorrow, which one would you choose, and why? Um, I always choose the Sea Life Centers just because um, I have a lot of interest in the ocean, aquatic life. It's it was actually something that I was planning on pursuing when I was younger, when I was about to go to college. Yeah. I wanted to be a marine biologist, but it didn't end up working out that way. But that's that's probably my favourite of all. Yeah, of them for sure. Amazing. Okay, I'm going to put a pin in that just for a moment, but and then I'm going to say that I think that obviously there's a lot of exhilarating attractions around the world with roller coasters and rides and whatever else. But I actually think that the Sea Life Centers are also the best because I think that you can't. I don't think you can beat kind of that interest, interesting, real life, natural attraction like it's it, you where else can you see those creatures nowhere exactly oh, yeah it's nice on. to have just an educational point on it too just to be able to learn about your surroundings more like yeah roller coasters are fantastic and it's a lot of fun but just to have some knowledge extra knowledge that you may not have known prior sea life centers provide that yeah yeah so we're on the same page perfect um, so to go back, you were saying that at one stage you wanted to uh, be a micro marine biologist. Was that right? Yes. But it didn't work out like that, did it? Correct. So tell us what you do now within Merlin, but also kind of life generally. Okay. So, yeah. So like I mentioned, I, I wanted to pursue marine biology. I um, started with micro as the very first class, freshman year, first time at college. And um, I tried really hard and I ended up failing. I, there was just something like I just, it wasn't clicking with me with biology. Um, so I've always kept an interest in it. However, I ended up falling into performing arts. And so I ended up graduating with a BFA in dance performance and I ended up performing. Um, and I recently just got my master's degree in art and culture management with a concentration in marketing. So that's how I ended up with this job at um, Merlin. So I'm the marketing coordinator uh, with Merlin's Magic Wand Foundation here in the United States. Cool. So you'll have to forgive me because a lot of times when I come across people who have titles in their job, it's hard to like, what does that actually mean? So like from a day-to-day point of view, what are you doing within Merlin's Magic Wand? 
So I am, um, like I said, the marketing coordinator. So I am in charge of all of the social media accounts. Okay. Um, I'm in charge of um, getting families out and collecting all of their, their imagery testimonials. Like, how was your experience? How was your magical day out at one of our attractions of your choice that you were going with, with your family? Um, I create all of the imagery. I work with Amanda Buckley, who is the uh, marketing executive at the, the children's charity over in the UK. Um, so we kind of partner tag team a little bit, but yeah, so I've been here since August. So I'm still learning the ropes, but, um, it's a good time so far. Everyone's been fantastic. Yeah. So I, I know Amanda over here and I've mm -hmm. been kind of hearing from her about, <coughs> excuse me, uh, about how Merlin's magic one is like offers so many amazing opportunities to families. Um, what's that like? Like that must be an incredibly rewarding position to be able to have these quite extraordinary attractions and making them accessible to children and families of all needs and backgrounds. Yeah, absolutely. So when I had initially come across this job, um, I immediately wanted to apply um, to, to go back a little bit. So I was saying I, I um, was a performer, so I danced at Disney for eight years here at, um, in Florida at Walt Disney World. Um, and Make-A-Wish Foundation is huge with Disney. So that's how I kind of started to see this. I never really understood and noticed that like nonprofits have this capability of doing this for families that have, you know, critically ill children and are in unfortunate situations. And so being able to interact with those children and with those families, it was just like being hit by a bus. Like it, it just, it means it's very impactful. And, you know, in, in unfortunate situations, like when, children do not end up making it. They, um, the families would write us letters personally and, you know, it would just bring you to tears because you were left such a big impact on all of these people, um, and just make their experience better and just try to create as many positive memories for them as possible. So seeing what Merlin magic, Merlin's magic wand does, it's, it just perfectly aligns with all of that. And just having the capability of spreading the message across the country, um, to families who may not know about Magic Wand and know about these capabilities that they can, you know, apply for and um, become a part of and just do with their families just to create those memories. Like it's, it's super impactful and meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, I might end up going on a little rant here with this question. So forgive me, just wave if I've gone off on a complete tangent, but I think my experience working here at dad's net um, is that we see men and dads in lots and lots of different contexts and thinking about um, International Men's Day and kind of, you know, wanting to really drill down into what it's what it's like being a man in, in the 21st um, central 20, what, 2022. The, the different contexts we see, I'm always most Impresses the wrong word, but I'm most inspired, I think, by um, the men and the dads that I see who are involved in exceptionally challenging circumstances. And the dads that we see stepping up and, and raising kids with additional needs or um, illnesses or whatever it might be, I'm always, I'm always kind of look at them and I go, wow. 
Like I like life's life's hard. Like I find life quite tough. And then when I look at that, I'm inspired. And I suppose from your point of view, you must see families where there are men involved in those families in various different roles. How like yeah, presumably you you see that on a on a regular basis. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I um. So my my position now, I'm I'm pretty remote, so I don't necessarily get to see these families face to face. Um, so we get all of the, the testimonials and the imagery and that's kind of how we get to see what's going on with it. Um, but yeah, when I was, when I was at Disney and they would come through just having these guys, these, you know, big burly men that like have to have like all of this, I don't know, they, they just seeing them with their connection of their children and being able to express their love and affection towards their offspring is just like, it's, it's just really cool. Like. I um also look up to my dad a lot. He he's raised me very well. Obviously, not in that type of a situation like these families are, but I mean, just seeing how different parents, fathers raise their kids, and like instilling all of the good values and qualities of just you know being a good human. Um, it just yeah, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so you've touched on your dad there. Now I'm going to ask a question. Yes in relation to International Men's Day, and you can't answer your dad. Like, he can't be the answer to this question. Even though he might be the actual answer, we've got to think elsewhere. So my question is, for International Men's Day, who, is there a man that you've kind of, um, you might have worked with, they might be friend, it could be family, but not your dad, uh, who has particularly inspired you or influenced your life or your career or had an impact on, on you as an individual, you as a man, who has that person been that you've really kind of gone, wow, you've inspired me to be who I am and to be the man I am today? So I will say that it was probably um, the chairman of my college when I was in school. Um, you know, he he was the chair for, you know, thousands of, of students who were involved in the arts in some capacity. And he would take the time out to be able to go and meet each individual person, sit down, have a conversation with them, talk to them, get to know them a little bit, just to see their background, see where they're coming from. You know, why do you pursue the arts? Why are you interested in these types of things? Like give me information like that. So getting that first connection with him meant a lot, just because, you know, it's as a new kid going into school and to college, like it's, it's absolutely terrifying. You're leaving your family, you're leaving all of your comfort. So finding that in someone who, is essentially like your superior at the time. Like you kind of are hoping to be able to lean on them in that capacity. And so for that, him having to seek us out and talk to us individually, it was very comforting. And um, I had done a couple of shows with him and his family and, you know, talking to his wife, becoming friends with his children. He, you know, he would work 12 to 16 hours a day, but he would be at every single event that his kids were doing every single event that his wife was doing. He still made time to volunteer um, he volunteered at food pantries. He volunteered, you know, at, um, homeless shelters. Like he, I don't know how he slept. <laughs> he just, he was that type of guy that you're just like, I want to be even a small percentage of that person. And I feel like I could leave an impact on the world. Yeah. And how do you think you're doing with that? <laughs> um, I am doing my best. Um, you know, we all have our, our own things, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying my hardest. I'm, I'm still pretty young, so I'm 
still figuring it out for myself, but I, I do what I can for you know my friends, my family, because I, I know how much of an impact those types of even just small how are you conversations are, how far they can take someone. Um, you know, you never know what someone is going through, whether it be you know a lifelong issue or just you know having a really bad day. Just having a simple conversation is like the best way to start that out. And so being involved and being around those types of people that do that consistently with everyone, it kind of puts it in the back of your mind, whether you, you know, even if you want to or not, like you, you just always feel like, why not try and just be friendly because, you know, we're all in this life together. We're all on one path together and why not be friends while doing it and leave an impact on everyone? Yeah. Well, I mean, as you were talking, I could see, you, you, I mean, I'm not a psychoanalyst, but there was a joke made earlier in one of these interviews. And it was in, it's interesting when you ask people certain questions, it's interesting to see the way they respond. It changes from talking about work. And then when you get them on something that they're kind of like, not, not that they're not passionate about, but you get them on something that's kind of like, I guess, more emotive and personal, you see a different way a different kind of tone in the voice and things and, and mm-hmm. that happened when you were talking about that college um uh teacher or whatever whatever his role yeah was. he's he's awesome yeah i still actually talk to him to this day and i Amazing. graduated back in 2013 so i was with him you know over 10 years ago and he still yeah he's just yeah he's a really awesome guy that's amazing so okay so <clears throat> one thing that i want to ask after reading your bio one thing that i wanted to ask was I think um, to it, stereotypically the performing arts and dancing mm-hmm. is you don't see as many men taking part in in those in, you know in those jobs and those career paths as mm-hmm. you do women. And I think, like again, stereotypically, that comes with a lot of what I think would come with a lot of challenges. So I'm keen to kind of gauge a little bit of your experience of navigating your way through the performing arts as a, you know, studying and then coming into a career as a dancer, how you navigated that with also yourself and being a man and whether you kind of came up against like challenges and kind of how you overcame those. There's a big, that's a, there's lots of that. So apologies, but just pull out what you want. Yeah. So, um, I growing up had a lot of struggles with my family. Um, they love sports. That's like, that's their thing. Um, football, baseball, soccer, all of those, those sports. And I, I did play, I play baseball and I played soccer and I kind of did it just to please them because I had mentioned when I was very young that I wanted to take a dance class because I'm just, I was that type of kid that never stopped moving. I was always on the go, always on the go. Um, and I was told that I could not, um, take any dance classes because, you know, that's, it's not a masculine thing to do. It's not something that, you know, guys usually pursue. It's, it's for girls. And so it just seemed very confusing to me because I've seen both of the sexes in dance and I just like was so drawn to it. So once I got to the age to be able to make my own decisions and, you know, go to, go to school. I had mentioned that I wanted to do it and they had told me once again, like, no, you need to do something that's going to, a career that's going to make you money essentially. And 
Um, I've just, I've always had this weird thing that's kind of separated me from the rest of my family that I'm like, why do people chase money their whole entire life, but you look at them and they may not necessarily be the happiest person. Hmm. I'm very much the person where I want to be happy. I want to make other people happy. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, honestly, it, it, it just was one of those things that I just fell into. And I hit a point when I started to take these classes and I had all of this negative feedback from all of the people around me. At one point, I just had to say, you know what? It's my life. I'm the only one that's going to be with me at the end of the day. And if I don't do what I want to do, then I'm not going to be happy within myself. And if others cannot accept that, accept what I want for myself, then it may not be necessarily the best relationship to maintain for me because I want people to support me. I want to be able to support others. Mm -hmm. Um, There are even some lines of work that I may not necessarily agree with or care for, but if someone is passionate enough about something like that, then I will be behind you all the way. Mm -hmm. So going through school, you know, I was teased a lot, you know, I was carrying my bag and I had like my ballet shoes and I had like, I was carrying leotards for friends and like tutus and stuff for my girlfriends. Um, And you know, it just, it was really, really hard because you just, you felt like something was wrong because you just seemed so different from other people. Um, and it took years for me to just come to terms with the fact that, you know, like I may be different, but you know what, that makes me awesome. <laughs> like I, I just, it kind of became numb to it, which kind of sounds like bad or sad. Um, but you know, now as a, as an adult, I just, I try to, even with my, my younger family members, I try to just tell them, you know, it may be harder or easier said than done, but like, you just have to block out all of the negativity and follow what you want to do. Because like I said, at the end of the day, you are all you have. Um, so yeah. And then eventually you just, you come to a point where I'm happy. So that's all that matters. And so it just, and everything else is gone. You know, there's all this debate and this conversation around what, like defining masculinity. Mm-hmm. There's so much, you know, people sharing all these opinions. And then there was that Gillette advert that just went massive and whatever else. And I think really what it boils down to is the most masculine trait is to simply be yourself. Mm-hmm. Like surely, surely being strong enough in who you are as an individual is more masculine than pretending to be something you're not. Like it it seems counterproductive to frame it any other way. Um, And then the other side of it as well, I guess it's the, the hidden irony in those people who were teasing or saying, you know, as you were growing up saying, dancing's for girls or whatever else the the irony there is that actually making someone not not encouraging someone to be themselves is not a that that's not what that doesn't come into masculinity that doesn't come into being a man uh, you know i've got a young son and probably the best man i can be the best dad i can be is simply saying to him i'll support you like I want you to be you and I'll encourage you as you're going to be. And I think that's, you know, that's for me, the most comfortable like definition of, of being a man, like be yourself. And if I can raise my kids who can be themselves, then I think I've done a good job. 
Um, what's it like now? Like society's also changed a lot, right? Since, you know, you're very young, so maybe a few years ago, but, you know, society's changed a lot. So what's it like now in that world? You know, are there more male dancers and is it more widely accepted? It is. Um, I think that there will always be some sort of stigma. Um, and I can say probably a good percentage of it is it's a lot of the media too, of how we were brought up that, you know, guys are supposed to be the ones that are providing for your family. And like, that's what makes you, that's what makes you the man. That's like, you have the capabilities to do all of these things for your family. When in reality, it's just like, like you had mentioned, like being a support system is being that, that type of dad. And so, I mean, I've even been seeing now with a lot of these kids that are coming up that um, like their, their, their dad is just, they're along the sidelines. I have this little cousin who is a, who's a cheerleader and he's a little boy. And so you have, I've never seen that anywhere in any school. And, you know, it's literally the coolest thing to be able to see his dad on the sidelines, like doing his cheers with him. And like that, that is just the this, this most powerful thing. It's, mm. it, it just means everything, especially for me, since I had struggled, um, like with my upbringing within dance. Um, and it also had f- affected um, me through my sexuality as well. Um, growing up as a gay man involved in dance, that's like a, the double-edged so negative, I guess you could call it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the point I'm trying to get at, I guess, is just, you know, being the, the leader is being the support system. You don't have to, you know, be the best quarterback on the football team. Like you can be a principal dancer because, you know, if anything, they're, more athletic, they're more driven, they're more mentally disciplined. Like it, it just, it, it just depends. But um, yeah, I feel like the, since the culture is shifting a little bit and just messaging across, you know, the entire world and just trying to create more equality between all walks of life, it's just, it's becoming a lot better and a lot better environment for young men and um, new parents, even new dads. Like it, it's just the whole landscape is a little bit different, which is, it's great to see. Yeah. Um, I like, I'd like to ask as well, like if you've, you know, you've been through a lot of those challenges that you've overcome, mental health is, is widely talked about nowadays, particularly with men. And I think like, it needs to be more, but it's widely spoken about and rightly so, because there are so many challenges that men face, whether it's, you know, the stresses and pressures of work, whether it's going through uh, you know, challenges from stereotypes or stigmas or whatever it is. So my question really is, what do you do to help keep your mental health in a good place? I take a lot of walks, a lot of alone time just to be with myself. I feel um, and a lot of conversations that I have with friends and family members um, who are stressed out, who may be going through a rough time, um, they're afraid to sit alone with themselves and their own thoughts because it, it scares them and they feel like they kind of dig themselves into like this dark room. Um, but I feel like being able to sit and think to yourself and meditate and go through all of these issues, problems that you may be having within yourself, like even externally. And it, it allows you the time to be able to, you know, think about how can I improve this? How can I make this better? 
um, even writing out lists, Venn diagrams, positive negatives that are happening in life and like pinpointing all of the ones that you feel like are dragging you down or holding you back emotionally, even within communication of friends, family. Um, a lot of, it's, it's a lot of time with myself is I guess the, the main point that I'm yes. saying. Like I, um, growing up, I wasn't, didn't really have a lot of people to talk to, um, referencing my sexuality. I was kind of alone in that. And so from a very young age, I was just kind of forced to figure it out myself. Um, so I guess that is the one good thing that came out of that. Um, I do have a pretty good capability to figure out my problems and I have, um, a good, my father, he is everything to me. I call him with all of my issues. I have no fears talking about anything. I can call him in tears and, you know, today this happened. And then he would say, well, you know what, just take a deep breath. What can I do to help? What can you do for yourself to help? At the end of the day, when you go to bed tonight, what are the two things that you're going to work on tomorrow to make that problem better? And so that's, that's kind of how I do it. <laughs> He's a good, a good dad and a good man. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that as well. I think that we know life is so busy for us all now is that we don't take time to reflect on our own. And in actual fact, I, I did something recently on my own and I remember physically thinking, I'm on my own mm -hmm. and I was almost quite uncomfortable mm -hmm. and that having you've just said that has now made me think I was uncomfortable just being on my own and and, and I didn't have any I wasn't listening to anything I was I, I was just I was traveling and you know there's not much to do but I, I found it really uncomfortable just being on my own and being calm and quiet and thinking. Um, maybe I need to work on that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do have friends like they, they always say, you know, I, I just need to stay busy. I need to stay busy if, if something bad has happened. And I'm like, well, why? Why do you need to constantly be moving? Like, why can't you just just sit and they, they're just like, well, I, I just can't, like it stresses me out. It makes me more upset. And like, well, you have, these problems are never going to necessarily go away. Mm. So you have to confront them at some point. So why don't you just try a little bit at a time? It doesn't have to be just have it fixed right now, but any sort of recognition towards things that are going on, just some sort of recognition towards how can I help myself is it's better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I mean, that I, I, I think that's the best place to, to end. I mean, I, I'd love to actually talk to you all day, but um, we are limited. But that's a really nice place to end, I think. And for those people listening, you know, working throughout the Merlin Empire, I think that there's a challenge there. Like, are you like me? Or you're feeling uncomfortable just being on your own and still and reflective and thoughtful? Um, or maybe you're more on the Cameron end of things and and actually you do that. And if you don't, I would encourage you, if you're like me, I would encourage us all to like take a leaf out of Cameron's book and <laughs> just sit sometimes, you know, for a few minutes. I don't think we're talking hours and I end here. Yeah. We're talking, take some time and just reflect. I think that's a really great, great idea for me and anyone else who might think it's a good idea. <laughs> Yeah. The world is busy and the world is fast, but taking a second every now and then is not a bad thing. 
Amazing. Well, thanks for your time, Cameron. It's been a real pleasure and a real privilege just to spend 25 minutes with you. Thanks so much to Cameron for joining me today. What a, what a great guy. Uh, and thank you guys for listening to this special series celebrating everything to do with International Men's Day. If you enjoyed it, don't forget there are two other episodes that you can listen to in this special series uh, from Merlin Entertainment. And of course, we do have plenty of other podcasts from Dad's Net. Just search wherever you're listening to this, you can find the other Dad's Net podcasts. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks so much, guys.